0: You're listening to a Countout Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wrestling Statistics, the only show that takes the unique perspective of looking at wrestling through the lens of stats, analytics, and anything in between. I am your host, as always, Ryan Nightsy, and with me is the man behind Pro Wrestling Musings himself, Craig Lease. Craig, I, you know, typically we've been doing this bit about saying, like, how are you doing? And then it's just like, we kind of have to think about it. I feel like I know what you're thinking about. <laughs> I feel like I know what your how you're doing answer is going to be, but I guess I'll throw it to you anyways. How are you doing, Craig? How are you? How are you? How are you feeling about all of this stuff?
1: How am I feeling? I'm I'm quite well done and crispy today. Um I went outside with like friends yesterday for the first time in three months. Um and it was like, you know, that way it's really overcast, but it's warm. Mm-hmm. So it was like that. Um and then for the afternoon the sun came out and I like, put sun cream on, but obviously wasn't quickly enough. And with my kind of um complexion and <laughs> um, that wasn't that wasn't um that wasn't the best for forethought. So, yeah, i feeling a bit kind of depleted of energy today. Like, my arms could probably fry an egg. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of like did the whole like kind of tired, not a lot of energy. So, you end up just flicking through your phone. And then, at the moment, when you kind of wade into wrestling Twitter, there's this horrible human did this, this horrible human did that. Oh, but. You know, um, can men not even speak to women anymore? Ugh, 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 yes, men can still speak to women. Just, you know, be nice. Don't. Oh, I don't even. I was, yeah, making a mess of this. It's just, it's just miserable and abhorrent and pathetic and sad. And just like the, the vast amount, like, there's like a list going around of like British wrestlers that have been involved in all this criminal activity, to call it what it is. And it's like, oh, that wrestler and that wrestler and that wrestler. Um, who are the guys that I like? Oh, I, I don't like any more wrestlers now. It's just,
0: it's, oh, it's, it's vile, 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 vile. If you're a listener that somehow uh, does not know what we're talking about, uh, you know, we just... I I do want to give I guess maybe a, I don't know what we'll talk about in the, in the next couple of minutes, but just in case, potential warning uh, for for sensitive listeners uh, when it comes to um, sexual abuse, um, rape, things like things of that nature. We're going to be talking about what's been happening on wrestling Twitter and wrestling you know Brit wrestling all that stuff uh, when it comes to the hashtag speaking out. Um, I just want to put that out there first. Because uh, who I don't know what we're going to talk about Craig, but yeah, uh, it's, you know, seeing that on Twitter. Um, I, first off, I want to say, uh, obviously, speaking for Craig, speaking for Mikey on hit the book, speaking for everybody else, uh, we 100, 1000 percent are terrible at statements. One thousand uh, percent despise, hate any sort of sexual abuse, sexual harm um anything of that nature we uh, d- d- detest it's it has no place in society has no place in wrestling um and we 100% don't agree with anything of the but those wrestlers have done um additionally to that we we are we can 100% stand with the the women that have or not just women but you know mostly women that have come forward to spread their stories, spread their truth, um, and just sort of uh, have wanted to make some sort of statement, make make known what's been happening in the dark for so long. Um, It is that sort of thing about, you know, know, the only way to fix these things is by knowing it first, knowing what the problem is. And thankfully, uh, all these women feel safe and comfortable and have the strength enough right now to speak what's been happening to them for so long and so we were very proud and stand with all those people uh but yeah craig it's uh obviously incredibly disappointing uh incredibly disappointing person to be a fan of wrestling right now and uh seeing like you said just name after name after name after name of these these wrestlers that are you know whether or not they're independent just straight up independent wrestlers or they work for some sort of multimedia company um anyone any, anyone in between it's it's like you said abhorrent uh i hate to see mm. you know you hate to see it and i don't know i, I just hate to see it so much
1: <laughs> yeah and i don't yeah i don't know how much more there is to say about it than that um there are people that are kind of better placed um to talk with us and um, jamesy from post wrestling also does a bit of grapple kind of um he's been very kind of he'd been retweeting kind of everything you need to see he's been very down and um, on twitter about the kind of state of things um i listened to also in post wrestling i listened to, they had chris ashley on um she was talking really interestingly about awiw i think um the uh, the association of of women in wrestling which is um essentially what sounds kind of like what it it sounds kind of like uh kind of grassroots versions of the AEW peels thing it sounds like uh just a kind of support network for women in wrestling that have to deal with the kind of yeah the kind of awful things that people are probably very very aware of
0: yeah um yeah, I mean that's fair. Yeah, we don't know much. I wish I had it right in front of me about things that we can do uh, as fans to sort of, uh, I don't know, <laughs> is that I want to say change things? I know as like as fans, we there's not really like too much stuff we can for like you know, change. Uh, besides, I know there's petitions. I remember seeing them. I just don't can't find them at the moment right now.
1: Yeah, um, Will Will Cooling, who does stuff for PW Torch and post wrestling, I believe. Um, he is a, a kind of wrestling journalist. Um, you know, actually qualified, unlike most wrestling quotation journalists. Um, was kind of, um, sharing those kind of links and petitions that you can sign and the like.
0: That's awesome. Definitely, it's what uh, that is at Will Cooling spelled like Mm -hmm. how it would would should should be spelled yes uh um yeah i mean uh obviously we condemned all those those things done by all those individual wrestlers obviously there's like you said the list is long and growing day by day uh obviously we're going to try to avoid talking about those wrestlers in the future um uh I don't know. There's not much to say about this topic, is there, Craig? I mean, we we basically know we we talked about it before the show started.
1: <laughs> it is difficult, and it's uncomfortable. we we're we we're not we're not best placed to talk about it any further than like how it makes us feel, and that's us, um, you know, privileged white men that can can sympathise and can perhaps empathise a little, but like without. Um, I think it was um, Adam Cleary on What Culture, What Culture did a shortened version of their usual wrestle culture on Friday. And he spoke very eloquently about like, just go out and speak to the women in your life and get educated about, you know, the the reasons why um, women are not as comfortable as men walking home in the evening or, you know, what stories they might have about ways in which they have been made to feel uncomfortable or, or worse. Um, so yeah, it's, I think, I think that's about as good as advice as you're going to get. Go and go and talk to the people that know. And the other thing, the other thing is, is the the kind of, oh, but like, what, what about, what about so-and-so that did this? And that person was unfairly accused um i haven't seen statistics on this but the kind of the kind of myth of the 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 accuser who is lying why why would a healthy pe- person who can speak well come out and make these kind of false allegations that's not going to improve their life that's not going to make them money it's it's if somebody is making an allegation generally statistically And again, I would have to see the numbers, but my awareness around this issue is that statistically, those people are overwhelmingly telling the truth when these things are investigated. Um, And yeah, don't don't be part of the yes, but what if she mob, because that kind of behavior is unhealthy um, and it's not good for you. And it's certainly not good for them. And just please go and talk to people and educate yourself before you start victim blaming and making it worse
0: a this is according to nsvrc.org uh what is this national i believe that is national sexual violence resource c i don't know what the c stands for uh uh there is a multi-site study that says that a multi-site study of eight U.S. communities, including 2,000 plus cases of sexual assault, found a 7.1% rate of false reports. The study mm. conducted in 09 Obviously, that is several years ago. Uh, what is that? 11 years ago. So uh, things could have changed, but still, mm. that is a 7.1% report of false reports. So, like you said, you know the likelihood that all of these stories are true is very high Uh, and like you said i unless it's someone that is it could be a a thing of a the uh, a false accuser but more than likely they're not and that just makes it even more disappointing i guess um but like we all said it, it is that thing about uh you know when you have when you have when something's broken you have to find what is broken first to ultimately fix it so i really hope that t- there's things to do i i've seen many people come up with ideas i like the idea of just stop having like tr- minors get trained for wrestling i feel like that's you know that's Probably shouldn't be a thing, obviously. You know, and that's not the broader issue. Obviously, when it comes to like the Travis Banks things, he's 30 with a 17 year old. Um, you know, that's not <laughs> that age differential, he should know better. Um,
1: it doesn't sound like a healthy relationship, no, to no. say the least.
0: Um, but like, you know, not maybe not have these guest coach sort of mechanics in place. You know, if this happened in any other. I don't know. I say if this happened or anything else, we all can remember this happened in film a couple of years ago as well. And just... I, I don't know off the top of my head what things the film world did besides just calling out when, it's, when a new thing happens or something. I don't know if there was any sort of systematic infrastructure changes that took place, but obviously wrestling has never been the most... uh... I don't want to say it, non-carny business. <laughs> so, mm. so professional business maybe is the word. Um, and hopefully we can, yeah. Uh, root, I think, root I think out some bad part
1: homes. of part of the issue is like the power dynamics, and like quite a common theme is like people being worried about what are the consequences of them saying this, or people going to somebody and saying about what happened and being told to keep it quiet, um, and that that is hard to get around because unfortunately when you have and when there are those kind of power dynamics people quite often don't do the right thing and decide they'd rather keep something quiet than to help the person and uh, yeah I think um, associations where women are um, kind of finding other women to support them and men where appropriate then I mean that must be the way forward um, like trade unions have always been a weird issue in wrestling. Mm-hmm. I'd suggest any kind of kind of um area of like labor that doesn't want a trade union is immediately suspicious like why why would why would promoters not want trade unions well it's to stop them um having to pay more money essentially but
0: which is the, a bo- which to me is a bogus reason not to have a union.
1: It's not it's not a good reason at all. But the side effect of that is reduced protection for people and I think that's what you're seeing here.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, it's a lot of a lot of bad stuff. And I also want to say for any fans of these these, you know, fans of wrestling at the time, I understand uh how difficult it is to be a wrestling fan right now. Uh you know, I all of us are sort of six to or something about what's happening here. Don't feel—I don't want to say—don't feel bad about liking you previously liking these wrestlers. Uh, you know, it's—I—I—you I, know—I there was a lot of these wrestlers I liked. I mean, there's a lot of these wrestlers that I greatly enjoy the wrestling. Now, I—you can't look at them without thinking about what they've—you know—all the stories of what they've done, and it's. They, they not only, not only did they do the things that, you know, do the sexual abuse and, and conduct sexual harm and all these things, but um, they they ruined their careers. the moment they, they did, they did these things. They not only took advantage of these women, more so they took advantage of those women, but they also, in a way, took advantage of the fandom that we gave them as fans i feel uh, again i'm just speaking um, this these are my own words i'm not speaking on behalf of anyone this time uh, i'm just saying these are my own words i feel like they these wrestlers have taken advantage of the fandom and that power has sort of obviously gone to their head in some aspects that they feel like they could do these things um and i i and what i guess what i mean to say is that, that these wrestlers that these people have i don't want to say wrestlers anymore but these people have um taking advantage of us and it's obviously upsetting. But yeah. I guess those are my thoughts yes. on the matter. It's a whole thing. I don't want we, we can't do a whole episode about this, can we, Craig? I mean I guess we could. It'd be very sad to listen to.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're we're not uh, we're not I don't think we're positioned to say much more than that. I don't like um I think we've kind of expressed views that are probably reflective of a lot of people um, that kind of follow this stuff um at the moment and yeah um post wrestling seems to be doing a lot of good stuff I'd listen to their Chris and Ashley episode and yeah there are there are people that um that are that are talking about this on podcasts that have insight tracks into with into these companies and can t- i mean if you you know if you if you want to do your kind of due diligence and become educated on these kind of things you know you, you're not going to have to look far to to find um the people that are um well best positioned to to talk about it all
0: right well let's get into the rest of the show i have no other i can't i as as my nickname has been dubbed before the king of transitions i have no way to transition out of this quite frankly craig uh but uh, the only thing I got is, you know, there we earlier this week uh, we did have the official return of New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, which obviously was amazing for many wrestling fans that started this week. Um, but it was an amazing r- return. We had the Together Project special, of course, and then the first two rounds of the New Japan Cup tournament. Uh, Craig and I have two matches here that we sort of wanted to dive deep into in terms of stat breakdown. Just right off the top, though, Craig, uh, what were your thoughts about not only New Japan returning, but returning with that that old vigor that we all missed?
1: Uh, Yeah, positive, of course. Um, Yeah, um, very enjoyable. Good to see it back. Um, Perhaps less of an issue them not having fans in other companies. Um, They don't rely... Too much on the crowd in these kind of like tournament type situations um the bigger bigger matches you'll you'll definitely you'll definitely miss the crowd um as as kind of like a a big main event new japan match heats up but you know um these kind of hard hitting early tournament matches i wouldn't i wouldn't suggest they' miss the crowd all too much
0: yeah the, new japan doesn't really play it feels like their wrestling style doesn't really play to to the crowd often obviously there are some some wrestlers obviously do especially the comedic ones but obviously you know the whole okada rainmaker pose obviously is playing to the crowd but it feels like they're just sort of like okay well of those small things that we do playing towards the crowd taunt to the crowd sort of thing we'll just you know cut those and just do this classic wrestling uh and obviously ramp up the uh grunts and noises <laughs> from a lot mm-hmm. of wrestlers yeah. that always helps to uh uh i remember uh you know the the idea that someone's saying that like you know when you're doing commentary whether it being a wrestler the best thing to do when it comes to empty arena is just uh constantly fill it up with noise just constantly talk mm-hmm. or grunt or do something yeah. you gotta you gotta fill in that void in a sense Uh, But let's get into uh, some New Japan Cup match breakdowns. The first one we got here, Craig, is, of course, uh, from night one of the New Japan Cup. It was the, uh, I guess, main event match of that that card, Tomohiro Ishii versus El Desperado. And what was, right off the bat, a a classic match that made me remember, like, oh, yeah, this is what I miss for the past, what, three, four months
1: yeah, yeah. Um it was it was you know it's it's it was New Japan straight away. Um and certainly you'll see that in statistics, big numbers, decent size matches. Um yeah, new very new Japan.
0: Well let's get into it. You know, we're looking at the stats right now. Um obviously big numbers <laughs> big num I think the first thing that comes you know highlights in my eyes is that that number of strikes from Big Tom over there.
1: Yeah, it's very kind of Um, Tomohiro Ishii first round of the cup against the junior heavyweight Uh, no big deal he still drops 75 strikes
0: (laughs) he's just like yeah whatever I'm just (laughs) Tomohiro Ishii I'm just gonna beat the crap out of you
1: yeah um, but yeah so it was like 20 20 minute match just over 20 minutes plus 18 seconds Um, I don't know I found it a little bit long I didn't I wasn't sure Um, maybe I would have shaved Five minutes off of it. I'm not sure that uh, Desperado could quite carry the match for that long or maybe not working this style with with Ishii. It was still a very good match. Um, Ishii dominant 57% of the match offence. A lot of that coming um, in strikes. He got 24 more strikes than Desperado. Um, Eight strike downs to four in favour of Ishii. One more grapple from Ishii. Um, Desperado with more submission, uh, 37 seconds compared to 12. Um, But, I mean, that's not perhaps a big enough number to kind of uh, make any difference. Reversals, Ishii even reverses more of El Desperado's moves. It really seemed quite hopeless for Desperado. Um, Ishii coming in with a better strike down rate and reversal rate. Um, And you can even see that um, El Desperado... Kind of was resorting to any dirty tactic that he could muster. Fifteen fouls in this match compared to only two from Ishii. There was a lot of kind of weapon use and kind of um, a kind of get, getting around the referee. So yeah, it was um, very much uh Tomohiro Ishii in control, dealing out strikes, dealing out any old offense he liked with El Desperado, desperadoing his. Way to spell That was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, loved <it.
0: laughs> I loved it. I loved I love the attempt at a pun. I maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> dot 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 question mark. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh. Th- this match. Uh. You know. Looking at the stat breakdown, it's one of those things that. Um. You know. Obviously, coming to this match the night from the night before in the tag match, es- El Desperado. Uh, sort of worked on Tomohiro Ishii's uh, knee. Um, uh, Mm -hmm. So coming into this match, obviously Despy had that in his advantage. Uh, And then obviously you saw the fouls, the fouls, I should Mm -hmm. say, Uh, continuing to try to get that advantage. But no matter what you say about it all, you know, sort of looking at this, it is sort of that thing of um, it is New Japan. Tomohiro Ishii being the heavyweight has basically full advantage of this match from the beginning i mean even looking at his flow of offense he i mean nowhere nowhere close does despy get anywhere close to the heights of ishii's offense uh, offensive value yeah. i mean the El bro's highest value coming in a, a little wh- a little more a little less than halfway through the match coming in at like what 18 ish versus Ishii's like 34 35. So there's nowhere nowhere close for Despie. Despite uh despite you know as, at times Ishii very much looking like the uh babyface in this match. Not babyface, he is a babyface in this match. Uh the underdog in this match. Uh he definitely was in control the entire time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean I think the, I mean, the flow of offense obviously shows that Desperado really wasn't building anything, um. But then when you're looking, when you're looking at the fouls and the kind of the statistics in the Ishii's favor, it is you know, it is very much an underdog story. But where the underdog is instead of trying to pick their moments or coming up with a tactic, it is more just going to the easy option and um, you know, trying to break the rules wherever wherever one can get away with it
0: yeah uh that is one thing about like there is like that the weight of fouls i mean using chair shots Mm -hmm. and stuff you know it is it is a number but it is a chair shot so it is a sort of i want i guess when we eventually get to it with those aew stat breakdowns versus win loss Mm -hmm. records i'm interested to see how fouls do um because obviously i guess i should say uh you know we've been doing those aew stat breakdowns for a while now um you know and this is new japan how the new japan probably you know levels out their matches is probably different than AEW so we can't be quite certain but i would imagine that there are some ideas that more than likely strike downs are still a prevalent stat when it comes to new japan pro wrestling
1: one would think so with the kind of um, the kind of focus on the strike battles that occur in new japan pro wrestling kind of more so than anywhere else well uh, certainly that we've been I'm looking at in terms of american
0: stuff yeah i mean speaking of strike battles let's get into the next <laughs> match <laughs> the understatement of the year speaking of strike battles uh next match we're looking at here is the next night of the new japan round two the co-main event yuji nagata versus Minoru suzuki a match with two 52 year old men just mm. pummeling each other I mean, you gotta look at these strike numbers. Holy crap, Craig!
1: Yes, um, many, many strikes in this match. So, two hundred and thirty strikes were exchanged, which <laughs> is a crazy amount. Um, and to to give you to give you a bit of context, um, for that, um, I've essentially counted every strike thrown in AEW since the beginning of the year there are only three men that have thrown more than 230 strikes and all three of them have wrestled at least 10 times (laughs) but if we if we just take eugene Nagas strikes from there his was 121 number um in aew only seven wrestlers have a total of like accumulated strikes of more than Nagata in 2020. So we've got Colt Cabana, Kenny Omega, Dustin Rhodes, Guevara, Kip Sabian, Moxley and Cody Rhodes and those guys have all wrestled for over 50 minutes in total and six of the seven of them have wrestled for over an hour. Everybody else has less than 121 strikes in 2020. And that includes MGF Archer Pack with you know six six and five matches. Um, further down, Darby Allen's wrestled in eight matches, uh, wrestling time of one hour sixteen minutes and um, seventy nine strikes in total, which pales in comparison to both the men in this match. So it's the it's the most strikes that I've seen in one singular match. I, I believe off the top of my head since I started pulling these things together
0: yeah and, and not only that they that seven wrestlers have exceeded that number but they're across several matches in more than 50 minutes to over an hour of match time yeah. he's able to Colt get Cabana. that number in, a, in 20 Colt minutes Cabana's
1: the um only guy out of all those guys that's wrestled for less than an hour wow
0: and you is able to get get 121 strikes in 20 minutes
1: yes yes exactly and again a lot of a lot like essentially the first five minutes of this match was just strikes it was um there wasn't a huge amount of variety but it was compelling somehow i mean look at that flow of offense there (laughs) yes yes exactly exactly and you can see like how 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 many how many switches like that, that first five minutes is all strikes even where like nagata gets that jump where there's like six things in a row those that's just six strikes it's not they're they're not pulling out grapples or anything yet um it's i think it's just it's just after it's around the six minute mark where uh suzuki takes nagata down and starts putting on submission holds but like yeah five minutes of pure strikes and the kind of the kind of way that these guys can make that interesting and how they respond to the strikes and the kind of the kind of showmanship and um the the kind of mizoru suzuki method of half sticking his tongue out and laughing <laughs> um after his opponent has struck him it's it is um it is it is an odd skill um but one that these two guys were you know sp- somehow 52 years old never leaving their feet for five minutes were just like spellbinding
0: uh, just a reminder, if you want to take a look at all of these stats and graphics, you can always go to our YouTube channel, hit the books podcast, and uh, go and watch the video version of this uh, program. Or, of course, you can go to prowrestlingmusings.com. There will be a link of it in the description of this podcast episode to link to either the tweets or the official document that Craig may or may not put out. I'm not sure. We'll find out, I guess, Craig. Uh, but I uh, just want to put that plug in there.
1: It will be there, yes, eventually.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Uh, Yeah, this match, uh, even though despite only getting 121 strikes in this match from Nagata, 49% of the match offense. He's slacking. He's slacking, Nagata. What are you doing, my man? Blue Justice? Jeez. Uh, Looking at this, his (laughs) strikes was his only strategy, right? I mean... Yeah, Minoru it mixed of it, mixed it up by, you know, doing some, you know, his strikes are a little bit harder with the strike downs, mixing it up with going submissions, um, a lot I mean, more it was, fouls. It was
1: almost, the strategy was almost, I'm going to keep hitting him with strikes until that's all he thinks I do, and then I'm going to hit him with grapples and win, which is essentially what happened.
0: Yeah, hit him with three grapples, one of which was a German suplex into a pin.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. I think Suzuki was probably just surprised that he wasn't getting hit in the face anymore.
0: Was is the pin attempt that's listed there? Uh, the pin he uh, won that's with. That's the finishing.
1: That's the finishing pin. Wow. So yeah, there were only two pin attempts in this match. One was Suzuki about halfway through, and the other one was Nagata winning the match. Wow. So like there there wasn't a lot of variety in this match. <laughs> it was two hundred and thirty strikes. Um, four grapples, a hundred seconds of Suzuki submissions, um, only eleven reversals because, like, they just were allowing each other to hit them in the face. They weren't even like trying to stop. Um, two, two pin attempts, a bunch of fouls from Suzuki, which is customary. And yeah, that was that was it. It was it was not you know uh, not a very differentiated match, but I don't know, it worked for me. Um, yeah, I really really enjoyed this, and I only watched it this morning because I've been a bit. Kind of off with wrestling, um, and yeah, this this uh, this hooked me. I I liked this one.
0: There's nothing about uh, watching an amazing match that brings you back into remind reminding you about why this sport's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And even then, like you may look at these stats and be like, "Ah, oh, it's just a bunch of guys, just some guys punching each other for for 20 minutes." Yeah, when people watch UFC, it's the same exact thing. This match is amazing. <laughs> I cannot stress enough. I I went four and a half stars on it. I was like, "This match." Did is... you? Wow! I was I was highly praising this match. I was like, "This match is amazing." Uh, it's again, you have to say, 52, 52 year old men. Um, I think this match might have been on Suzuki's birthday. It might have been the day before. Not positive, but either way, uh, very old men, uh, just going mm-hmm. at it. And it, to be safe, this isn't just a one off. Of just two people punching each no, other, no, you know the night the night before uh, was, was them battling in a tag match. The night even before that, two nights previous to this to this match, was them battling each other. Uh, Nagata was coming into this match with a slightly red chest and leaving with a purple chest. You know, it's that sort of thing yeah. of like they weren't. It's just not a one off thing. And then there's also the rivalry that they've had for years now. Um it's well, I was amazing just about,
1: i was just about to mention that like um so because i watched this so late and um, i was able to watch it with the english commentary and kevin kelly was very much putting this rivalry over and i think he said at the end um nagata certainly won up now and um, i think it's seven to six in terms of victories over over their kind of career and yeah i mean this match was so good it got me into nagata like i'm i be now looking forward to his match in the next round, which I think will be against Okada, um, if I'm right. I'm I'll not pull, sure. I'm about double that check at all. That. I'll double check that for um, you. But yeah, no, um very interested to see his next match. Um I, I, and it's so much so that like I love Suzuki and it's, it's surprising and I would I would I would still be more invested in Suzuki in the next round, but I'm I'm also interested to see Nagata's next match. Um, so much so that I'm really not that disappointed that Suzuki's gone out.
0: Yes, Nagata's next match, it will be against uh, Kazuchika Okada, which I remember seeing on Twitter, I think it was, maybe, that uh, they've only had one other match before, and it was a G1 match a couple years ago. So this will be interesting. Obviously, Nagata already being some sort of bracket buster, uh i wonder if he's gonna be um, and to... if you
1: if for whatever reason you've watched this match and been like wow i want to see more of nagata i think the guy's name is monkey buckles on twitter <laughs> that's either
0: <laughs> what a great name
1: um, that's <laughs> that's either his name or his handle it might be at monkey buckles or monkey buckles and <laughs> um, <laughs> he but he um i'm like i retweeted this because it was just a fantastic piece of work and i had no interest in the at the time but he Monkey had like vocals. done a thread of like every single nagata singles match in new japan and, like written as like brief comment on it And i think there's like 106 of them or something in the end so yeah it's worth worth checking out just to see how giant the thread is if nothing else
0: Yes, uh, I'm trying to look through and f- find uh, monkey buckles for us. Uh, yeah, uh, when it was when, a, when I was listening to a podcast during the a New Japan podcast during the uh, off period of New Japan, and they were it, it was a watch along. And so i was just sort of watching it was the super 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 j cast yes super j cast (laughs) totally forgot the name and they were doing a watch along Mm. uh and so they were you know able to i was able to watch a lot more old nagata matches one could argue nagata is prime i guess um but definitely is like being able to watch all this old stuff coming into it it's like okay a little bit more appreciation of who this person is because you know i started watching new japan two years ago maybe You know, I'm I'm still fairly new, so at the time I see Nagata and I'm like, oh, it's just he's one of the dads, you know, he's just gonna be out there and just do his thing. But then every once in a while, you know, you get Nagata who gets you know gets that that tap on the shoulder, and just goes out there and just kills it. Honestly,
1: yeah, it was good, and this is the first Nagata match that I've seen, like the first. Well, I don't know. I I tend not to watch huge amount of like the giant tag matches, so it's certainly the first singles match of his that I've seen. And yeah, it's a very it's a very specific style of match, and I don't know how many of those I would want to see, but he's it was certainly compelling enough that I am interested to see how him and Okada put a match together.
0: Yes, definitely interested. Definitely, definitely interested, especially being uh, Okada's. One could argue first official best, like coming back. Obviously, there's the one with Gato, but I mean, eh, come, come on, on. <laughs> come on. Well,
1: uh, he yeah, he had a match with Tai Chi. I think actually Okada, um, New Beginnings.
0: No, no, uh not in the new year. The uh, Oh just from the
1: yeah. Oh no, I understand. Sorry. My my mistake.
0: No worries, no worries. Well, uh of course uh we're gonna leave New Japan now, but if you ever want to see more uh uh New Japan Cup statistics and analysis, you can go over to PW musings, not Pw dot com. Well, at PW musings and go to Pro dot com. Craig thankfully put together a bunch of New Japan Cup matches like Makabe, Suji the great Yado Yano Jado match, uh, you know, match of the match of the century, right there. <laughs> Jeez, um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, a bunch of other matches in the New Japan Cup, so you can always go there to find even more New Japan stat breakdowns. Uh, but as we leave New Japan, let's head over back to America and look over and head on over to Florida. And look over at another <laughs> tnt championship match the matches continue for cody rhodes as he faces the brand newcomer not only newcomer but new absolute mainstay for AEW since getting that contract ricky starks um craig thoughts on this match the breakdown, um
1: nice nice um nice little match um it only eight and a half minutes but it's kind of pales in comparison to the new japan stuff um, the caveat being that this is, of course, a TV match um, and Cody Rhodes can't, like, wrestle for 20 minutes every week. We'd get sick of him and other people need to wrestle, etc. And um, But, yeah, um, close match. Absolute Ricky starts coming out with the match offense lead. 53% of the match um, from him. A lot of that was from strikes. His 29 beating Cody's 24. One more strike down from him as well. Cody went for two grapples. Starks only one, one dive each. Um, Cody didn't really go for submissions in this, only three seconds worth of submissions right at the start. Ricky starts with a quite a also small 12 seconds worth. Many reversals in this, however, um, a contrast to the New Japan match we just spoke about, 30 reversals in total, 17 to Cody. So he was really having to fend off his young hungry challenger. And you can see that in the pin attempts as well. He was trying to end the match more so than Ricky Starks. uh, Four pins attempts for Cody, two for Ricky. Um, And yeah, Cody won it with the crossroads, a nice reversal into the crossroads. And yes, a a decent um, title defense. A lot of people are really high on it. Um, I didn't enjoy it as much as the other two, Um, but sometimes it's just like... um, kind of where you are when you watch these things. So yeah, uh decent, decent stuff here.
0: Yeah, uh I thought it's a pretty good match. Uh you know, uh good outing for I think it was a good outing at the very least for for a newcomer like Ricky Starks. Um mm-hmm. looking at this looking at these numbers, uh interesting obviously based on what the stat breakdowns, the analysis we've been doing for the past couple of weeks. Uh, Cody, you know, getting not a lot of strike down rates. He's just really sort of punching a lot more, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, just reversing a lot more. Uh, as we'll talk about reversals coming up, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw the. Um, did, did you did you get a check to see what I sent you right before the show started?
1: Uh, what was that? Sorry.
0: I I was looking back through all three of cody's matches
1: oh yes yes
0: so obviously the jungle boy match the mark quinn match and now the ricky starks match just sort of like uh, looking at the all of the stats of those matches to see if i can just pull anything from them Mm -hmm. Uh, and the only big takeaway i got so far however um is that you know looking at this first glance i noticed that uh the number of strikes that cody gave doubled during these three matches so in the jungle boy match uh, Cody gave 12 strikes, and Mark Quinn 21, and, and then Ricky Starks 24. Uh, so the number of strikes uh, doubled as three matches went along, despite his match offense going down. So in Jungle Boy's match offense was 53%, then 50% in Mark Quinn, and then here we have it at 47%. Um, so I, to me, the only big takeaway I got from that is that he's concentrating more on striking his opponent. Versus doing other moves,
1: I would suggest, and um, based on what we spoke about in the past, that that tells a story of a wrestler that is overworking. And um, we we've kind of we've kind of stumbled across the idea that um, guys that depend on just doing lots of strikes and don't differentiate their offense enough are the ones that are losing more matches. So in Cody's first match and his second match, actually, the offense is very differentiated there's he's using grapples he's using submission um in this match against ricky starks he's he's barely doing anything else than kind of rudimentary um striking which is almost like a kind of um just trying to grind his opponents down by many many strikes rather than building up to grapples and longer submissions
0: Yeah, one could argue that what really ultimately saved Cody in this match was his high number of reversals. In the first match, he had thirteen reversals. The second match, six. This match, seventeen. So you know, like he said, he's Cody. As we've been looking at the stat stat breakdowns the past several weeks, we've noticed that both Moxley and Cody are very well rounded individuals so like you said if Cody is now focusing more on a specific thing becoming more of a striker and that's his strategy that may eventually lead to his downfall uh, and eventually lose the TNT championship maybe it's a thing about maybe I'm going to go out and work on my striking to see if I can get the win because obviously I'm heading uh, down the path of facing Jake Hager Uh, you know obviously I'm a mixed martial artist um, but obviously Cody here is, I would argue his reversal sort of saved him, um, from losing the TNT championship.
1: It's interesting. as the, the flow of offense almost shows like, so it begins in a kind of, um, AW fast paced, lots of reversals type stuff. And then as we get towards the end, it kind of almost falls into a new Japan strike exchange before Cody, um, sneaks the win.
0: Yeah. That's true that is that is actually is very true. I just noticed that um yeah it's it, it it just becomes a normal match, and then they just sort of duke it out at the very end there mm-hmm. oh, yeah. very interesting i I would argue that I wonder if that I'm trying to think of like trying to come up with like the take of like what that would maybe say. I wonder if that's like, oh, Cody i have to remember like when arn gets involved because there's always arn that <laughs> gets gets involved at some point but i i wonder if it's like cody sort of maybe realized that like hey starks might beat me here let me just punch him <laughs> let me just punch him a lot
1: <laughs> maybe yeah maybe
0: Um uh, and hopefully that might wear him down a little bit i you know he's he's taking he's like i watched the god to match this morning let me you know <laughs> if that worked for him let me see if it works for me let me mix up my strategy because um, there is something to say about like, there is the idea of Arn being on ringside about us trying to watch out for, um, you know, the story moments of Arn like telling him information. Uh, I'm trying to, tr- I don't remember if it happened in this match or not, but there's that idea of like maybe Cody then changes up his strategy following that exchange with Arn Anderson. Just I just had that thought just now, and that's a whole other thing to think towards. But I wonder.
1: Yeah, I see what you mean. Because there's such a stark, no pun intended, (laughs)
0: there's such a stark
1: contrast in the way that the match is wrestled. You've got the kind of the big peaks and troughs of an AEW match, where there's lots of reversals and people are kind of putting together bigger moves, and then it it disintegrates into a one strike, one strike exchange. New Japan like the the end of that graph is more um is more illustrative of a new japan match kind of breakdown rather than an AEW one
0: yeah exactly well like we sort of said we've talked about reversals kind of leading into this match uh obviously for the past several weeks you can always go back to listen to previous episodes but for the past several weeks we've been sort of looking at the specific stats in regards to all elite wrestling when it comes to whether or not doing certain moves can lead uh, more likely to a win or loss. Um, And we got a new new graph here when it comes to the reversal rate, percentage of moves faced reversed versus win-loss record, of course, for one-on-one matches. And these are for wrestlers that have 30 minutes accumulated ring time. Craig, gotta say... Like I said it last week, when I was like slightly disappointed about the submissions, very disappointed. When I'm looking at this one with that big old negative connotation.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, however, just just a point before we go any further. Um, if you if you note note the positioning of John Moxley, MGF, and Cody again, mm-hmm. it's very similar.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very similar for those like they
1: they're. they're they're where they are in all of the graphs, right in the middle.
0: Very, that's uh, yeah, and that, which goes again to the idea that they are very well-rounded people. Uh, well, MGF, uh, I'm MGF, kind of but... saying it... <laughs> MGF is sort of the asterisk on being a well-rounded person, maybe. But you were saying, Craig?
1: <laughs> no, I was, I was kind of suggesting that they they always end up in that kind of mid-range,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and it's the kind of idea that like they're never at the extremes. Like Cody, Cody is kind of maybe upper above average there and John Mox is under average, but like they're never, the guys that are picking up all the wins almost never end up at the extremes of the graph. And you, you would expect to find them at the extremes. You would expect your top wrestlers, the guys that are picking up all the wins to be the ones that are like the best strikers and the best grapplers. Um, but, but where we are rather finding that the wrestlers in AEW with the really large, win-loss records are tend to be in the middle of the pack mm-hmm. and which is really interesting
0: yeah i mean looking at this obviously there's some people on the outskirts there phoenix and cabana all the way on the right side of the graph there who are um not a lot of wins but highly a lot of a lot of reversals um and then of course all the way on the end on the left side we have jericho similar you know similar win-loss record to phoenix and cabana but very little amount of reversals the least amount of reversals by any of these wrestlers on a thing so you know cor- sort of like that thing about um it's maybe not it's kind of semi working for them the large th- for those specific wrestlers the for jericho the least amount of reversals versus phoenix and cabana's large amount of reversals kind of working because they do have positive uh or at least not negative win-loss records but there is something like you said to being more in the middle range um Tends to lead you to more victories.
1: Yeah, but you would you would think that reversals would be like I don't know, like a an exception to that. As it like, what could possibly be bad about reversing wrestling moves to your chance to win
0: Yeah, that is true. The fact that there is overall looking across the board of all these wrestlers, the fact that there is some sort of negative line here very interesting i i one hundred percent was not expecting this. I was one hundred percent expecting that the more reversals you're able to get in the higher chance you get to win a match you know if if i'm able if if you can't hit me, then I'll probably win the match right
1: well yeah right but so so then, how do you rationalize this mm-hmm. and for a wee while to think about it um so, how do you rationalise this? Well, if you've got somebody like Cabana, Phoenix, Darby Allen, Sabian, there, how how much how much energy does it take to reverse a move? Mm. Is the energy expelled to reverse a move more damaging for you than taking the abuse? Well, I mean, one would one would assume that it would be better to reverse it, mm. but then we go back to John Moxley, who we've spoken at length about in the past as his defining characteristic almost just seems to be that he can take a lot of abuse and just keep coming. So somebody like, like, is Phoenix and Cabana, are they reversing a lot of moves because they're really skilled competitors, or are they just so afraid of being hit, taking something, and psychologically that that spot they they can't they can't deal with that psychologically if they take too many hits their fight or flight systems firing they're not they're not working slow enough they're thinking too fast they're jittery they're and then they're making mistakes and their opponents are winning
0: Um, Uh, i do want to ask when it comes to writing down a reversal rate uh if mm -hmm. i if i if ricky starks were to punch cody Cody yeah. you know, reverses it into an arm drag. I don't know. I'm not a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's able to do that, you would write that down as a Cody reversal and not a Ricky Stark strike, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. If... Ricky, if unless like it, unless if, it actually if, hits. Yeah, yeah. The, the statistics are all four. So the one that often sticks out is quite often you'll write down that a wrestler did no diving maneuvers in a match. Mm-hmm. Um, And then people will turn around and be like, yeah, but he did a shooting star press. Yes, but his opponent rolled out of the way. So Mm -hmm. the the statistics are only for the moves that connect.
0: Okay. Okay. Because I was thinking about, I'm looking back all the way to episode one, Craig. Ah, remember those days? Right. uh, Where where obviously, you know, still gathering data. And we'll look at all of this, revisit all of this down the line. But, you know, when it came to average offense percentage, um for win loss records uh there was a uh, large positive correlation where you know the more offense you put into a match the more likely you would have won obviously things might change now when we revisit all these things because at the time Brody lee was at 85 percent off offense percentage of a four win record um so things might have changed slightly the thing graph might have been less you know get those extremes out of there a little bit more um you know, but uh I guess what am I trying to say is is that um it's interesting that the more it, you know what it would lead me to believe that the more times you hit someone, the more likely it is is to win a match. but it, it convert in inversely, the less times you hit someone is will less likely win a match, and then when it comes to reversals, where you are being hit less because you're reversing. Also leads less likely to winning matches. Does that make sense? Am I making sense here?
1: Um, I I don't know. Could
0: you hmm.
1: perhaps re? I'm a little bit lost. To be completely
0: honest, that's fair. Um, <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is that like, what if if you if if Ricky if, if John Moxley John moxley's a bad example because he's like a middle thing. If Darby Allen. Had a very high. uh, Damn it, I can't. Okay, you know what? Scratch it. I can't think. I can't think of it. (laughs) I guess what I'm trying to say is that like uh, the more you know, when we looked at the average match offense, the more offense you had in a match, the more likely you would win it. Is what we were sort of gathering from that. Um, In the in what is the inverse of that? That that would say that the less offense uh, that you dish out the less likely you would win, correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah.
0: So when it comes to the reversal rate, there's the idea of the reversal rate is being is dodging or reversing moves. Yeah. So you're no longer getting hit. So you are uh not receiving um as many hits or whatever you're you're yes yes which is in in line with the inverse of the offense taken so i guess what i'm saying is that it makes sense i think i don't know exactly what sure. i'm saying <laughs> should i should i scratch this should i keep moving along maybe i don't know uh,
1: yeah keep going
0: <laughs> i think and this is why i'm the host of the podcast and not the statistician uh <laughs> because i'm just like yeah the, yes i don't know anyways it's been a long week it's been a long week craig it has. Uh okay, well yeah, there we go. That's that's the reversal rates there. Uh, maybe if we make more sense as we go forward. Um, speaking of going forward, what's our next stat here? What's what's probably coming up next week, right?
1: Um so we have left.
0: We have pin attempts, fouls, taunts, finishers.
1: Yeah, um I don't I don't know how much. Pin attempts. I don't. Know,
0: I don't see how. Pin attempts I suppose you could work. say
1: that pin attempts indicates that a wrestler is more eager to get out rather than taking their time and knowing when to pin. So I mean, you could draw kind of reasoning and um, correlations from that. And um, fouls is a lot more interesting because like you you often see in wrestling matches that it's the the well-placed foul from the heel wrestler often leads to the the cheap win whether or not that's going to be as prevalent in AEW statistics as it, it as it would be in other wrestling world entertainment company statistics um, mm-hmm. is is another question entirely so um yeah um one of those probably
0: fouls to me would be the more interesting one to look at mm-hmm. pin attempts and taunts are both that sort of thing but they're both kind of related where it's like you're pin attempts you're trying to win taunts are just sort of like trying to get energy from the crowd or whatever mm-hmm. they're both things that you're not like mm, well, i don't know they're both things that you're not How like about? actively punching so i don't know i guess i don't know if i'm making sense
1: well why why don't we why don't we revisit kind of the totals again so like um i was thinking of doing instead of just like total offense i was thinking of doing um, the comparison between offense given and offense taken mm. um along with the win wins and loss records so trying to turn it into like a four quadrants graph so like some people that have positive wins and positive offense would be in quadrant one and people uh. that had positive wins but um, not positive do you, know what, do you know what i mean yes yes i do i thought that might be an interesting thing to do with it as well
0: well then, do you want to do fouls next week and then do that quadrant the week following?
1: Um, No, I'm actually quite interested in doing the quadrant thing now. Okay, so let's do quadrant. quadrants. <laughs> I love it. Let's, let's mix it up. Revisit, we can revisit the kind of um, smaller kind of features of performances like fouls or taunts or whatever.
0: Let's do it. I like it. Let's do it. Uh, okay, then next week we'll be looking at that sort of quadrant that you sort of talked about looking at uh, both offense taken, offense given when it comes to win-loss records. You know, we'll explain yeah. it all next week. So just, you know, just if you want to, uh, if you want to figure out what's happening next week, just, you know, subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast feed. Go to our YouTube channel and subscribe there for the video version. Of course, they'll pop out every Monday, obviously. If you subscribe, you would know that. Jeez. Uh, uh, um, but of course, if you want even more information, you can always follow us on Twitter. Uh, I am at hit the books pod on twitter he is at pw musings on twitter or conversely at craig uh at craig pw musings on twitter so you can always follow us there for even more information whether it be information about wrestling stats about wrestling just general thoughts about wrestling or uh i don't know anything else about wrestling (laughs) or just thoughts (laughs) about the world i guess at large uh craig anything else to plug
1: uh, no, no. I mean, it's been a bit of an odd podcast. I hope that we um, managed to um, still get across the kind of, see, this is the issue, my words have gone. Um, yeah, just I hope we managed to pick through the those matches okay, and that people that were listening kind of um, gleaned something from that episode. Because it was, yeah, I think everybody's probably feeling the same way in that kind of worn down by this quarantine um racism abuse type news cycle that's going on at the moment so yeah hopefully there was um something to uh distract
0: yes i <laughs> can i just say this craig real quick i and this is again me just saying this uh i uh, support all of those things you know i support uh the Black Lives Matter, I support the speaking out movements uh obviously, I support staying inside and not going outside when it comes to the pandemic, mm-hmm. but I would love to just get t- to an episode of uh our show and not have to like open up the show of <laughs> discussing sadness in the world uh <laughs> that's yeah. my own that's my yeah. own I understand that's my own selfishness speaking out, but <laughs> I just wish that like whether it be talking about social media, whether it are talking about black lives mattering, whether they're talking about speaking out about these sort of sexual abuse scandals. Uh, let's, I just wish we uh, could get through a week where it's not another sad thing happening in the wrestling world.
1: Yeah, it's not the best. Um, I'm, I'm convinced that the doomsday clock is at like half past 12 now <laughs> and all the scientists are holed up in a bunker somewhere.
0: Of course you mean 12.15, uh, remember, right? <laughs> that's that's a bit that's a pre-podcast recording bit uh and a callback and a callback as it were uh yeah so thank you everybody for listening to this week's episode uh like craig said we hope we were to provide some sort of uh i don't want to say distraction because it's not i don't want i don't want to distract uh but some some brevity from what is happening uh in the world uh currently uh especially the wrestling world um uh, we'll be back uh next week for even more. Obviously, we'll be back talking about New Japan, probably another Cody match. I think there's a Cody match again this week. I'm also not positive.
1: There's always a Cody match.
0: But I remember seeing something about how there was going to be a, a uh a fighter fest uh like discussion or something with Cody, and I was like, is he not doing the match then? <laughs> <laughs> i was very confused cody but either way we'll be back next week for even more discussion all about everything happening in the world of professional wrestling about stats and analytics uh we'll see you all next week have a good week goodbye